You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're talking about account-based marketing. This is a word that's been around for a while, a phrase that's been around for a while, a practice that many have heard of. We're going to talk about how it most effectively supports sales leads. To help us, we have Mike Maynard, owner of Napier Partnership Limited. Mike, thank you for taking the time, and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Chad. Oh, it's our pleasure. And before we begin, we always like to ask a little random question, just so the audience can get to know you a little bit better. And curious to know something you're passionate about that those that only know you from work may be surprised to learn. I think quite a few people who know me from work, uh, I know this, but but probably a lot of my acquaintances don't. I'm um, really into short track speed skating. So uh, it's one of my hobbies. Absolutely love the sport. Think it's brilliant. And Yes, it does mean I do have um, Lycra race suits. So, uh, yeah, not not a nice uh, image for people to start the podcast. But uh, yeah, I, I can assure you that there's very few people in the in the um, audience when I race. So that's fine. <laughs> that you have, I have to tell you, you are the first short track speed skater <laughs> enthusiast I've had on the show. How in the world did you get into that? It's a long story. Um, Basically, I, I, I had a friend um, doing some work for the local amateur dramatic society. Was, this is the way you always get into a skating event is through Amtram. <laughs> um, and it turned out that the uh, local ice hockey club put some of the players that they'd imported from Canada into the flat below him. Long story short, we've started going to watch ice hockey. And then uh, you know, on one game, we looked at each other and said, well, how hard can it be? And I said, have you ever skated, Chris? And Chris said... Yeah, I did. It was about 30 years ago. I said, well, that's fantastic because I've never skated before, but let's try and play ice hockey. So we played ice hockey for a while. It was great. And eventually I stopped mainly because I had kids. And, and in the UK, you end up playing ice hockey really late at night. But it's the only time you can get the whole rink yourself. And uh, when I decided to come back, I decided I was probably a little bit old for the ice hockey thing. So <laughs> yet again, I thought, well, how hard can it be? Let's try speed skating. The answer is it both of them are actually quite hard to do, surprisingly, <laughs> but great fun. I mean, I enjoyed both of them. And um, yeah, the, the speed skating is a, a really great hobby. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate you sharing that with us. So, all right, let's get into kind of the topic of the day. How about um, we start with a little context around Napier, what you do and, and how that influences your focus and or passion for account-based marketing? Yeah, great question. So Napier is an agency. I actually bought the agency back in 2001. And at the time I was a client, the uh, the owners were retiring and it just seemed like a, an opportunity that was too good to be missed. By May 2001, it was an opportunity I really wish I'd passed up because, of course, it was a dot-com crash, <laughs> you know, and um, business was not quite so good in May as it was in April. But hey, you, you get these things. So we're an agency that really helps B2B technology clients market and typically you know, the way I try and explain it is we're marketing a technical product to a technical audience. So that might be marketing silicon chips to electronics engineers, or it might be marketing baggage handling systems to airports. But there's all always a, a big technical element of the decision-making process. And what we're good is, at doing is taking that technical element and engaging people without boring them stupid with all the data. 
Um, (laughs) So that's what we do. We look at it as really two challenges. One is to generate content. So generate this information that's going to be interesting. And frankly, if the content you generate isn't interesting, you've got real problems. No matter how many people see it, it's not going to work. And the second one is uh, content distribution, getting the, the content you've created in front of the right audience. And that's really where account-based marketing comes in, is making sure you get the content in front of the, the optimal audience for your client. Okay, so let's let's start with the definition for account-based marketing. And this may seem a little odd and, and maybe even for some of our listeners a little bit basic, but I always want to start with a macro kind of contextual understanding. So we all have a shared language as we as we begin the discussion. So from your perspective, how would you define ABM today? So this is a actually a surprisingly difficult question. Sounds really simple. <laughs> there are no end of definitions of ABM. And I can give you some formal definitions, but I'd rather talk about what I feel ABM is. So to me, ABM is about focusing your marketing resources on a particular set of target accounts. And those can include accounts that are already customers as well as prospects. But all it is, is taking what you do already, doing great marketing, but really focusing down on a smaller audience based upon which company they work for. And that lets you do so much more and be so much more effective. So you're concentrating your budget and you're also concentrating all your thought on a particular group of uh, prospects or a group of clients and prospects. And that's what I think ABM is. And I really do strongly believe that a lot of people, they start doing ABM and they start getting intimidated by all these you know, very specific definitions about what's programmatic ABM and, you know, it's not important. Just focus your budget. It'll be more effective. That's all you need to know to start off. And I really recommend that as a basic definition, that's something we should all work towards, you know, just making better use of a budget and doing great marketing. Yeah, I I love that. So when we think about, you know, the ABM approach, it's complex in terms of execution because you're essentially wanting to be where your target audience is, which necessitates you actually know who that audience is. (laughs) And secondly, where they are and how to get to them. So I'm curious how when you say targeting an account, what are kind of the facets you think about? when it's the the publishing or distribution or outreach of the the marketing content so you can ensure you do get the right message to the right person inside of specific targeted accounts yeah and you make a great point there chad i i I love that point that to start you've got to know who you're targeting and that's that is super important because we're focusing our budget on this particular group of accounts. If they're the wrong group of accounts, we're just throwing more money in the wrong place. So you're absolutely right. You've got to understand where you're targeting. And typically, companies either have known target lists of companies or maybe even you know specific industries that they want to target, or they go and look at where they're successful at the moment. And then they'll either target more people in their successful areas or they'll target adjacent markets, you know, kind of what people call a bowling ball strategy. So they'll look to go from one market to a very closely related market because if they're successful in market A, probably market B, which is very similar, is also going to be a good market for them. And totally agree. You know, to make account-based marketing work, you've got to be really clear about who you're targeting. You've got to have really clear reasons why you're the right supplier for those companies, whether it's a list or just a a market definition. And when you get into... 
ABM for say existing customers or even those that that have shown interest. Maybe they've you know they've hit a website, filled out a form, or attended a webinar. There's some there's some level of interest, which you know there's no end of ways people can rank and quantify depending on what tool you're using. Um, but at the end of the day, how do you look at and, and approach those individuals? From more of a like the way that personal is blurring into business these days, especially since everybody's been locked down in quarantine for for so long. When you do ABM, are you taking into account the persona? So if I'm going after a I don't know director of IT or director of technology, am I looking at them based on the industry that they are in, or am I also trying to find demographics that might bleed over into say what social platforms that they're active on and and where they may engage, you know, outside of the standard say company stuff mm -hmm. or LinkedIn? How do you how do you bridge that gap between the the business and personal to still execute an effective ABM strategy? So I think the first thing to say is absolutely, we look at personas and customer journeys. And that's always a real core part of our ABM planning. I mean, if you're focusing down on a smaller number of accounts, you really should be able to have a better knowledge of the decision-making unit or buying committee, whatever you, you call the group of people that make the decisions. You should be able to understand who they are and what motivates them far more accurately and far more uh, comprehensively than you would do if you're trying to target just everybody. So absolutely, you know, use those personas, use those customer journeys and test. I mean, it, you know, you, you mentioned targeting existing uh, customers, you know, a great way to test uh, an account-based marketing strategy is to start with some existing customers because hopefully you know them fairly well. And if you can make it work with those customers and, and grow their business, then probably you can attract prospects. So absolutely you know start with knowledge of the customer and then that knowledge almost always drives you to understand not only that that kind of individual that persona from a business point of view but also to some extent from a personal point of view and that's where you can start looking at you know for example as you say the types of social media that they're likely to uh, interact with but it's about really getting in their shoes and understanding what they're doing and who they are rather than thinking about yourself and thinking about you know what you want to say and how you want to project your company that that's the wrong way account based marketing should really be done from the point of view of what you can do to help the account and that just requires <laughs> knowledge yeah absolutely and and okay so curious about data so when we build out an abm strategy we know that web cookies are, are phasing out here in the in the future, and there's this increase in usage of customer data platforms to collect that information that we could have scraped from other places before. I'm curious, how do you recommend clients leverage data from systems they may have in place in order to shape and, and format, maybe validate the personas and then shape and format kind of the strategy for the outreach? That's a, a great question. We're based in Europe. We do most of our work, not all of it, but most of it in Europe. So we're very driven by the European GDPR regulations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although increasingly, I mean, if you look at what's happening in, in various states over in the US, no, then California, yeah, you know, I, I think I think there's going to be similar regulations. So one of the things and maybe this is a, a different discussion, but one of the, the things that's happening is this whole movement around privacy is all a bit disingenuous because <laughs> it really is a battle between big companies. So Google, for example, is collecting data. They're not stopping collecting data, but they're starting to block third-party cookies. 
so they're limiting what other people can do it, it is absolutely there's a definitely a competitive advantage in google stopping other people from collecting data and apple from their point of view you know their competitive advantage is, is this privacy idea and uh, they're playing it really well but to be successful they've got to harm people like google and facebook so it, it's this this interesting battle between the tech giants but what it means in reality is that we're moving away from having quite so much data held by third parties and that means as a business if you want to market effectively you've got to start collecting your own data so you know it depends on your perspective and there's certainly a very strong argument that gdpr and, and regulations like it are stopping third-party companies from aggregating lots of data, which definitely can be, well, I, I guess at best you'd say it, it's creepy. At worst, you'd say it's definitely invasive of, of privacy. But what it is doing is it's actually meaning more and more companies need to collect data because everyone needs to collect their own first-party data. Now, the great thing, the great news about data is if you're doing an ABM campaign, you've, by definition, limited your audience to a certain group of accounts. So suddenly this data collection um, problem becomes less big. I'm not saying it becomes easy, but ABM absolutely helps with the data because because of your focus, you're not trying to collect everything. You're just trying to collect what you believe are going to be the most valuable prospects. Yeah, could not agree more. And and here's what's interesting with the data thing. And I understand I'm way off script. And as anybody who's ever listened to this show <laughs> knows, that has a tendency to happen because my brain just kind of goes in different places. But I'm curious from a, you know, if we think about data collection and companies are going to have to do it, you know, with customer data platforms and things like that, they have to collect their own data. I have always felt like third parties grabbing data from other places keeps them further removed from their customers. It almost has a tendency to have them group them rather than truly care about what the experience is, even though they have a tendency to scrape that data for quote unquote experiential purposes. I'm curious if you think the increase in companies collecting their own data will allow those ABM strategies to be even more effective because the data they're collecting is coming through the way those prospects and or accounts interact with the company or in the sphere the company's in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think you've really identified one of the opportunities. And to me, a lot of this regulation around data, people kind of freak out when they get told they can't do something. <laughs> but sometimes, actually, it's better not to do it. So the example I give is is opt-outs on emails. We all feel the pain. It, it hurts us all when somebody opts out of, of, of emails from, from our business. And it's natural. But honestly, if you've got a recipient of emails that wants to go to the effort to tell you that they really don't want to see those emails anymore, do you think those emails are effective. I mean, it might feel good, you know. Um, it Great looks good. There's an extra person on your mailing list. Your mailing list is a bit bigger. You know, your your ego is a little bit bigger. But honestly, in terms of effectiveness, it has no impact. In fact, hopefully, it lets you understand more about your mailing list by understanding who's engaged. And the people who are not opting out are the people who are probably more likely to buy. So I think there's always, you know, pros and cons. And, and if you look at... ABM and collecting first-party data, absolutely. If you if you focus on building an understanding and building, you know, really models around how decisions are made in target companies, and you're collecting information about the people who are making the decisions, you're marketing directly to those people, 
it's becoming much more powerful because you're really controlling everything and you, you've got much more insight into what's happening because you can measure that through whether people click on your email or open it or you know interact in other ways but obviously there's also a downside you know and one of the the great things about being able to do some of these uh, more general marketing activities is you can you know throw a list of email addresses and there's various services that will then advertise against those email addresses and people who've tried this CRM retargeting will know that nobody gets great match rates on the the uh, matching to b2b emails mainly because a lot of this data is gathered through consumer services so that might be facebook or it might be um, google and the data is gathered by people using their personal email rather than their business so you never get great match rates but those match rates are going to get worse as you go forward so some of our tools are going to get blunted with privacy but equally by you know changing the strategy we'll be able to actually compensate by doing other things better and more effectively yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So when we talk about, you know, it seems like, I mean, I've been I've been doing this for ugh, 20 years, I guess. And it's always been a, you know, hey, sales and marketing isn't aligned. Sales and marketing isn't aligned. You'd think by now somebody would have figured this out. But I noticed in uh, in some of the content that you sent over that you, you believe that ABM can actually bring sales and marketing closer together. Really curious to help, on, uh, help the audience understand that a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, What's happened is that actually, although we haven't been running into each other's arms, sales and marketing have been getting closer for some time. And if you look back to the Mad Men days, you know, marketing was basically, I really like this ad. It looks good. I I think it looks good. You know, to me, it makes me feel good. So therefore, we're going to run it. And that was kind of the marketing approach. Whereas on the sales side, it was like, you hit your sales target or you're fired. And marketing and sales were, were actually very, very different. Now, there is still some marketing work you have to do that doesn't get data that is hard to quantify, particularly at the sort of top of the funnel, the awareness level. But as you move people through the funnel with digital, more and more marketers have got access to data that shows them what impact their marketing is making on the business. And then as we move to it to ABM, it's actually a collaborative effort. So it's not just having the data that shows you how you're impacting the business, but it's actually working together on building the campaigns with the sales team that brings marketing and sales even closer together. And to me, that's only a good thing because really we need marketing and sales to work together to be as effective as possible. And there's always going to be frictions and sales are always going to have a a much shorter term view than marketing. So it's good to have two separate groups because otherwise you end up all gravitating to a short-term sales model or all gravitating to a long-term sales model. And either the company goes out of business pretty much immediately because you're thinking long-term or over a long time because all you do is short-term. So two groups are good, a little bit of friction, never a bad thing but definitely cooperation and collaboration is a really positive thing between marketing and sales and abm's a great way to do it to get people sat around the same table love it and so can you give us just a a high level case study or example of how an abm approach has been deployed and and the results it produced for one of your clients yeah absolutely and i'm going to give the simplest example possible that i think illustrates a lot of the benefits of abm so we had a client that that had some products that were particularly suitable for people making chips for artificial intelligence. 
we met uh, the guy who ran European sales for a review meeting. We we're talking about what we're doing. You know, you have to have the normal meeting. At the end of it, you say, okay, is there anything we can do else we can do? You know, what else do you need? The classic end of meeting question. And he looked at us and, and he said, there's one thing you can do. We've got this company. My CEO knows about them. They're, you know, in the UK. And my CEO wants to visit them because he thinks they should be using this product. And I can't get a meeting. If you can do anything to get me a meeting, that would be fantastic. And that was brilliant because we had very specific, you know, this particular company should use this particular product because of reasons X, Y, and Z. So sales had done their bit. They'd really primed what we needed to do. So we ran a LinkedIn campaign that targeted specifically the people at this company, and that was it. And in fact, the company was so small that we had to do certain clever things to be able to build a big enough audience. So it was it was very focused. But within a week, we'd got an inquiry from that company. Now, that's not necessarily something we could ever guarantee with ABM. I mean, there's always an element of luck, particularly in terms of timing. And I'm sure that, you know, sales pushing along with marketing doing things, along with, you know, stuff from the website, it, all of that contributed together. But the fact we could allocate a proportion of the marketing spend to solve this problem was great. And that was a classic ABM, you know, one uh, one uh, account ABM program. And the great news is, is, you know, after, you know, from the marketing point of view, we'd done our work there. The sales team came in, they brought the CEO in. And my understanding is actually they're, they've won some business. There's going to be a long-term relationship. And it, it, it's been a very successful project. And it's so simple. It's just like, salesperson needs a meeting at a particular company because there's a real reason that they want to talk to them. That's about as simple as you can get with ABM. But I think it's a great example of how powerful it can be as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people have a tendency to overcomplicate it. They have a tendency to see all the the new tech and the new things they could do. And we could do this, we could do that. And it's kind of like you know, this going after the new shiny thing. It has a tendency, next thing you know, to get overly complicated. And then attribution becomes a problem and you're not really doing <laughs> ABM anymore. So it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting conundrum for a lot of, a lot of people out there. So let's uh, switch direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply, as a company owner, that makes you a prospect for a lot of people out there that are trying to sell stuff. And if somebody doesn't have a referral into you, a trusted referral, I'm always curious to know, what is it for you when somebody's trying to prospect you that captures your attention and earns the right to time on your calendar? I think it's absolutely having something that's personally relevant. And this is going beyond the, you know, as an owner of a you know marketing agency, you'll probably be interested in product X or product Y. But it's really going in and giving very specific reasons that show that the salesperson, I guess, has really taken the effort to understand my business. Because as soon as you feel that they've got some understanding of the business, suddenly there's this, this element of trust that they're not going to try and push something on you that is less relevant to you or less effective. And it's very psychological because I don't, I don't think there's any evidence that that this is really the case. But as soon as I feel someone's understood the business, understood the challenges, then I feel really good. And in Napier, it's understanding that we're not just a marketing agency, but we focus on a very specific group of companies in specific sectors. And that presents challenges. And whether we're buying media databases or computers, it has an impact on what we need to buy. 
And so suppliers who do that, you know, do very well. And because of that, we tend to stay with suppliers a long time because once they start working with us, they do build an understanding of our business. And that's really helpful to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. There's one thing you could tell sales or marketing professionals, one piece of advice that if they listened to, (laughs) you believe would help them hit their targets or exceed them, what would it be and why? Yeah, this is a, this is a tough question. And I think it comes down to, this sounds really weak, but being tenacious. I mean, the number of times I've said to someone that there's no way this, this prospect is going to engage with us. We've tried, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 times, nothing's happened. I've picked the phone up and boom, they've talked to us and there's been an opportunity. <laughs> um, and I think the rule is, You've always got to do one more outreach than you really truly believe you could possibly ever need. And it's just that persistence and consistency, I, I think, really matters. And, and and most salespeople are, are genuinely good salespeople. They want to sell a product that customers want. They don't want to fob them off with something that they don't need. They want to, <laughs> you know, build long range. They're all good about that. But it's that persistence. And we all hate the rejection of, of people ignoring our emails and not returning our voicemails. And it hurts all of us. But I think picking up that phone one more time definitely would be the, the bit of advice I'd have. And I, I'm just thinking now, I really need to tell myself that because there's a few people I need to pick the phone up to now. <laughs> I love it. We call it respectful persistence. You got to be yes. respectfully persistent. <laughs> love it. All right. So I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Where do you want us to send people if they have interest in learning more about Napier or talking to you specifically about ABM? Any you want us to send them a website, LinkedIn, someplace else? Absolutely. So um, the website is napierb2b.com. So you know, we're being very focused there in terms of saying we're only doing B2B. The LinkedIn presence is, um, if you search for Mike Maynard at Napier, you'll find me. And if anybody wants to drop me an email direct, I'm, I'm always happy to to have conversations. So if anybody really wants to, to ask a question and wants to get through to me directly, just email me, mike at napierb2b.com. And you could have probably guessed that email anyway. <laughs> I love it. All right, man. I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Chad. It's been great. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill. Hit the website, b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, and coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.